Welcome to episode number 54, From the Block to the Boardroom. This is the Rotated Views Podcast with Jimmy Lee and the crew, giving you life from various perspectives. Welcome to our level. We hope you enjoy the views. All right, you are now tuned in to the Rotated Views Podcast, episode 54, From the Block to the Boardroom. I am your host, Jimmy Lee Velez. I am here with Goose, yep. Heck, yep. Gabe, yep. and special guest Tracy Syfax. Peace. Oh, yes, sir. All right, guys, From the Block to the Boardroom. In this episode, we have special guest and entrepreneur, Tracy Syfax. In this episode, we discuss how to build an empire regardless of your past. We talk about entrepreneurship, politics, networking, and being a solution to others. We wrap the episode up with quotes from David Joseph Schwartz and Nelson Mandela. Nice. All right. How we kick things off is a definition, and uh, we got grabbed our definition from uh, dictionary.com, and we chose to define the term solution. The act of solving a problem, question, etc. The state of being solved. A particular instance or method of solving an explanation or answer. I chose that word for specifically for our guy here, uh, Tracy. And um, by the end of this episode, hopefully you'll understand uh, that what this guy is providing is a solution. Uh, so I wanted to define that. So just so we're you know all clear. Um, on the gravity of uh, this special guest here. And uh, with that, we have Tracy with us. And uh, just so our listeners know, give us a uh, brief bio of um, who you are and uh, what you do. Good. Thanks, Jimmy. And thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, Tracy Sidefax, I was born in um, Asbury Park, New Jersey, um, home of Bruce Springsteen and Danny DeVito. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. But I've um, been raised in Trenton all my life. I've been in Trenton since the early 60s, kind of moved here when I was young. Um, you know, t- uh, just a regular story of growing up in the urban area. I grew up single parent household, uh, mother on drugs. I ended up spending about close to seven years in and out of prison growing up um, and just came home in 1993 and just made a vow to myself and my God that I was going to change my life around and and just do something better with my life. And nice, nice. Um, since then, I've been able to, you know, create a couple of million dollar businesses. Wow. Um, I was made history as the first African-American to ever awarded Entrepreneur of the Year by the Princeton Chamber of Commerce. I'm from Trenton. Wow. Wow. Um, yes. Out of, um, out of unprecedented 900 nominees throughout the country, I was one of 12 um, Obama White House champions of change in 2014. For the work that I do in reentry and helping people that come home from prisons reintegrate into society um, with dignity and respect. So I spent my 20, 21 year career now in business, you know, being a strong advocate on behalf of those that can't speak for themselves, on behalf of those folks that are like me that come home and just want to do the right thing. And, and they just want another opportunity um, to do the right thing. And a lot of, and far too often, Jimmy, that opportunity is not provided for them. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. I try to be that voice for them because I know there are more people who have stories like mine um, that just need that opportunity to have that chance to realize their full potential. So I believe in that, and it's something that I've dedicated my life to. That's beautiful. Nice. So that's uh, awesome. It's amazing. Right off the bat, uh, I just want to ask you: What do you think 
Was it your time in in uh, behind bars that made that change? And and when you came out in '93, what was what was the where you made that solid decision? Um, you're like, you know, forget that. I'm changing everything. What what uh, do you remember yeah. that moment? Oh, I had a lot of aha moments. <laughs> 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 when you spent 18 years in some of the toughest streets in Trenton, and seven years in some of the toughest prisons in the state of New Jersey, you have a couple. You have a couple of those aha moments, yeah. right? But I right. think when it really hit me, Jimmy, was in um, 1992. I was at a prison down in South Jersey, and um, an incident happened where my cousin had assaulted an officer, and um, I didn't do anything. I actually tried to be the peacemaker, end up being. Um, Exalted myself by an officer, thrown into the lockup, um, given street charges for assaulting the officer, and I didn't do anything. So wow. um, I ended up getting shipped out to uh, Rawway State Prison, and I spent a year in Asseg Rawway. And if you ever know what Asseg is, Asseg is 23-hour lockup. Wow. Um, you're in a cell for 23 hours a day. So I spent a year in Asseg for something that I didn't do. Um, but it gave me an opportunity to to look back on my life and... and, and and just think about all the stuff that I did do. So yeah. I kind of thought it was kind of punishment for the stuff that I didn't get caught for. Mm-hmm. Um, but after spending a year there, um, you know, it, it just changed my life. It just, it just, it just hit me when I was. If you spend a year in solitary confinement with nobody but yourself and your God, um, you get an opportunity to really um, think about your life and and what you really want to do with your life and. And, uh, and it just gave me that opportunity, and I just came out of that out of that hole, and I went to um, uh, Riverfront State Prison, which was in Camden, New Jersey, and I just started the process of educating myself, um, learning about my history, where I come from, and you know all those things contribute to just changing my mindset. And you know, and when I was out there, Jimmy, even though I sold drugs, I was a drug addict, I was a crack addict, and a heroin addict. Wow. And um, and used both drugs for since the time I was 16 years old. Hmm. Um, so it was just a, it was just a combination of all that going through everything that I went through. And, and, and the fact of the matter is that when I had my last bid and when I came home my last time, you know, I had two kids. I had a son and a daughter out there. So, you know, it was a matter of just time for me to grow up. I was 32 years old. It was time for me to grow up. And I made that conscious decision to do that. That's a fantastic, that's that's a fantastic story. So I know there's, um, you know, guys out there that guys or females out there that can relate to your story. Um, I'm just curious about, you know, when you're, you know, selling drugs and, and, and you're into that lifestyle, you know, by default, whatever the reason is, Mm -hmm. what, what behind that, is that what you felt like kind of bring us to, you know, into the mindset of someone who who's there, who's at that point in life where they're selling drugs to survive or for whatever reason, what, what's behind that? Did you feel like that was all you could do or was that just something that? Yeah. And that's a good question, Jim. And, you know, I talk about this quite often. Um, I speak at, um, Jamesburg prison, which is the only juvenile prison here in the state of New Jersey, um, a few times a year. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of times, Jimmy, a lot of our kids are, are born in a situation that they have no control over. Yeah. You have a chance to choose your parents. You yeah. Know, to the environment and the community you grow up in. And far too often, a lot of kids are growing up in the same situation that I grew up, mm. you know, other on drugs. You know, I was introduced to the, you know, to the drug game by, you know, her boyfriend. Yeah. So, so you know, had not having a choice and you're being forced into that lifestyle, you know, and even when I was growing up, you know, a lot of my cousins 
were, were selling drugs. A lot of people I knew in my community were selling drugs. And, you know, people would go home from go home to jail. I mean, they would go to jail. They would come home. People were celebrating them. So I would get to think as a young man that going to jail and coming home was a part of life. Get that was celebration. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It was like that was normal. So, you know, it's easy to get trapped off in that. But, you know, one of the things that I, I said earlier, Jim, is that, you know, far too often, though, a lot of people get trapped up in that life and they go to jail. Um, and a lot of them come home with the high hopes of doing the right thing. A lot of them really, really want to do the right thing. But the fact of the matter, when you come home and reality hits you and you can't get a job and every time you put in an application, you get denied. And, and if you do get hired, they ask you about your background and they tell you that, you know, you, you can't you can't work here with a criminal record or or because of the fact that you had a drug charge, they took your driver's license and it cost you $8,000 to get them back and you can't get the $8,000 because you can't get the job. Wow. So all things contribute to the ongoing um, cycle that a lot of people with criminal records face every day coming home. Um, so when you come home with that, you know, you don't have any other choice. It's either, it's either be, keep being denied or go back to what you always knew that you can make some money or what you always knew all your life to survive. And, you know, a lot of people are in that survival mode and it's just far too often it happens. You know, because I see it every day. My office is located on Martin Luther King Boulevard, Trenton, New Jersey. Okay. Just like other Martin Luther King Boulevard around the country. Um, it has this challenge. I actually sold drugs on this same strip. Wow. Um, but, you know, guys come to my office all the time, Jimmy. With, you know, and, I, and, I, and they sit in that chair over there, man. And I hear all too often, Tracy, I'll clean the floor. I'll be a laborer. You can pay me minimum wage. I just don't want to go back to what I used to do. I don't want to go back on that corner, but I can't get a job nowhere. And then... You know, it's unfortunate that I can't hire everybody. I try to do what I can. I refer people places, but I can't hire everybody. True. And, you know, months later, you know, I see that same guy that was in my office back on the corner, back to doing what, you know, what he's always done. And it's a vicious cycle, man. It's a very vicious cycle. So I try to do what I can to make a difference. Incredible. So from the block to the boardroom, you have the, the shirt. You're very well branded. It's a very catchy statement. Explain how this came about, which you kind of did, and, and you know what it means to you. Well, you know, when I wrote From the Block to the Boardroom in, in 2011, <clears throat> I, always wanted to, um, I always wanted to tell my story in a book. Yeah. I, believe, I believe that I had, a, um, I had a very blessed and amazing journey over 21 years. You know, I came home from prison flat broke. I didn't have a dime in my pocket. Um, I took a job as a laborer. I worked my way up from labor to mechanic, supervisor, to foreman, all in two and a half years. Wow. When I left the company in 1995, I was supervising anywhere between 20 to 28 guys on a, on a, on a commercial project. Wow. Um, so I learned the business very quick, but you know, even with my prior life, you know, I always felt that I was a businessman. I always felt that I was an entrepreneur. Right. You know, I sold drugs to support my habit, yeah. but I was good at selling drugs. And I knew the game. I knew marketing. I knew advertising. Yeah, I knew all that stuff. And I just, you know, figured, you know, taking that what I've learned over the years, good and bad, and um, and turn that into a successful business is um, is something that a lot of uh, is an attribute that a lot of people who are are, are caught in that cycle have. Um, one of the greatest attributes of an entrepreneur is someone who has a low tolerance for risk. Mm. It takes a lot of risk to stand on the corner with. A half ounce of coke in your pocket. It takes a lot of risk 
to go up in the liquor store with a shotgun. You know what I mean? Guys risk every day. You know what I mean? You know, what I try to tell guys now, because, you know, I teach a class, I teach entrepreneurship to um, to ex-offenders now. You know, and so what I tell them all the time is that, you know, you guys have all the attributes of what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. We just need to turn that around into a more positive way and teach you how to take that same marketing skill that you've used on the street and turn that into a legitimate business. And I believe we all have the ability to do that. Yeah, I, I like that. The uh, the redirection of we talk about that all the time, getting your energies and, um, you know, applying yourself just in a different way for a more positive outcome. So Absolutely. so how did it go from the book to basically a full blown business? You know, because now, now you're doing, you know, seminars, you have classes. I saw your website. It is everything is legit. It was that a, a smooth transi- a transition or is that just kind of came about itself? Well, it kind of um, it kind of grew about, you know, after after doing the book in 2011 and, and being, you know, making history as the first entrepreneur of the year um, by the Princeton Chamber. When I was called to the White House in 2014, um, that was one of the things it was just, you know, we wasn't at the White House just for the champion of change ceremony and being awarded, you know, by the president. You know, we were there all day to talk about solutions and how do how do we as champions go back to our community and make a make it better uh, one of my suggestions was that i wanted to be able to have the ability to teach people that are coming home from prison how to run their own business mm. teach them how to be able to fish for themselves when nobody else will give them a job you know people keep turning you down and people keep slamming that door on your face then instead of giving up let's go back and see how we can create our own businesses and that we can hire our own people and that we can hire give people second chances that are coming home from prison. Um, so when when I was at the White House in 2014, um, that was my charge when I came back to my community. So when I came back um, with that idea of creating a, um, a course or online training program to teach them how to start and run a business, you know, that was that was my baby. And I was able to um, to hook up with a, um, a, a professor who's taught entrepreneurship for over 20-something years um, and C.J. Meenan and um, partnered with him. And, you know, and I told C.J., I said, C.J., can we teach ex-offenders how to start running a business? And, you know, he said, Tracy, listen, entrepreneurship is 20 lessons and 40 concepts and it fits any model. And wow. since we can teach them, we can teach anybody um, how to start running a business. So we came up and developed an um, a entrepreneurship course. Um, for ex-offenders, and um, we did our first pilot program in Washington D.C. We fifteen ex-offenders and took them through a twelve-week course. Um, one of the, one of our guys, you can find him on our Facebook page. Um, he's already in business. He's got three vans. He has a power transit business. He's wow. got three vans, and he's hiring workers already. He just graduated from the program in October. Wow, that's, nice. that's awesome. Yeah. So. So speaking of, you know, basically, you know, the, the, the testimonial and, and the results that's coming out and this, this, uh, program you're talking about, this is the reentry ventures. Yes. That's the reentry ventures. All right. Yeah. So this has, you know, as you mentioned, 40 videos, two eBooks, 20 lessons and a test and test with over 200 minutes of content. So this is like a legit yeah, serious power packed, uh, uh course that, that right there you can go to bachelor school or warden school that same course right there costs you twenty twenty five thousand. actually my partner is a graduate of bachelor and he mm. taught at bachelor wow 
and CJ, CJ is well versed. CJ has probably written probably seven or eight different books on entrepreneurship. Wow. Entrepreneurship for the handicapped, for homeschoolers, for veterans. You know, my partner, he is the entrepreneur guru. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I, that's why I say I was blessed to be able to partner with him because when we taught the class in DC, we were able to put his academics as a professor in a classroom with my experience as an ex-offender wow. and how I was able to do it. So mm -hmm. we combined those two together. Um, our students said that was the most powerful thing about our program was we had him giving them the real life academics. All right, you come up with a business plan, you get a loan from the bank and you start your business. And I would come in and say, listen, ain't none of that gonna happen for you. You start your business by getting out there working two jobs. You start your business by saving your money. You start your business by investing into a truck instead of a car. So I was able to give them the real life version of how you do it, and he was able to give them the economic version, academic, academic version. That's, awesome. That's fascinating yeah. because um, I graduated from uh, Temple University, and <clears throat> a lot of the course, a lot of the courses, was just you know we we always asked this funny question to the professor who was teaching business, but never went to business or owned a business or yeah. nothing like that. So it was like um, some of the some of the books that they had us read and take tests on and write papers on. Right, you come out of real life, you're like okay, so. You know, conceptually, I know what this information is, but absolutely. the application is yeah. 10 times different. Yeah. Yeah, the, absolutely. <laughs> my first week out, my first week of my my job, I was applying all these concepts and, you know, you're young, 20 something years old, cocky, think you got it all figured out. I go out there and got bamboozled. I mean, I knew nothing and I was almost begging for more and more training. I mean, and I'm like, you know, I would say like an aggressive person, you know, I just, I want to, uh -huh. I want to know, I want to know. And even myself and I'm like, it's very true. The application is totally different than, wow, it sounds good. Your book oh, yeah. is fantastic. But when you're actually applying this yeah. stuff, it's a yeah. whole new ball game. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so what we was able to do also, Jimmy, with our courses that, we're building a um, online community in the course. So if you take the 15 folks that were in DC that was in our course, they're on the online community now. And you get a one year membership into the online community. So now those 15 people from DC are on the online community. We did another class in Petersburg, Virginia, where we took 50 ex-offenders and took them through a two day crash course entrepreneurship workshop. They're part of the online community. So what we're starting to do now is starting to build out this online community of, of returning ex-offenders from all across the country who are in business and are entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. That way you get opportunity to network, you get opportunity to ask questions. And it's just like a just like a chat room. You go into the online community, you might see my profile there. You can, you know, send me a message. Hey Tracy, how did you start your business? You know, I might be in a meeting, I might be talking to Jimmy on Skype. I'll have to hit him back later and then we can communicate later. But that gives them the opportunity to have that ongoing support, um, whereas that they can learn from each other. Because I believe we all can help each other. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the most fascinating things yet. I, di I didn't know that, actually. So the networking piece, uh, kind of how we always talk about, you're, you're able to connect with people who can also relate to you, yeah. your story, your background. And not only that, uh, like I had mentioned before, my brother Miguel's a barber, so... If I need a haircut, who am I going to, right? And mm -hmm. and if Heck owned a pizza shop, if I was hungry and wanted to grab, you know, a couple slices of pizza, who am I going to? So mm -hmm. it's it's helping each other stay in business, you know, continue to business, and that networking is something so special. I mean, even even our connection together was we had Joey Biscotti on 
uh, talking about marketing and yep. branding, and your name came up like five times. I'm like, you got to connect me with this guy, and then that's how you're on. And if it wasn't for that networking or that piece, mm-hmm. this you know this episode wouldn't be happening, and we wouldn't be networking. So it's oh, very absolutely. that's a huge component to your course. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and 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 you know, chapter six of my book. Um, I, you know, I almost dedicate a whole chapter to networking. I talk about how I was able, when I started out in business, hooked up with the, um, the president of the, um, African American Chamber of Commerce here in, in Trenton. And he ended up becoming my best friend, but wow. I dedicated a whole chapter to him because he was able to get me into the boardroom. There would not be a from the block to the boardroom story without him. He introduced, actually, he introduced me to Joey. Oh, wow. so, so so you see how this thing, this whole networking thing, you know, works. And you know, I, you know, I tell you know, he always told me, he said, Tracy, it's not about who you know, it's about who knows you. Yeah. And like you said, you could be in a conversation, and my name could come up five times because five different people know me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the power of networking is what it's all about. But I think, you know, even when it comes down to um, to people who are, um, are 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 coming home from prison. Is that you know sometimes you 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 want somebody to talk to, but it's easy to talk to somebody who has walked that road. Yeah, somebody who knows what it's like to have been down that road that you've been through, have come from that, and giving them the online community and giving them that 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 camaraderie on that online community, have a whole network of folks who have traveled that road. I think it gives them a better opportunity and a better chance for success. Absolutely. So um, on your website, it states. To be a part of the solution, attend one of Tracy's events. He'll discuss the film and his rocky past and explain how he transformed his life for the better and how he can help transform your mindset. Uh, Tracy, can you give us one tip that you discuss at your events that will help transform a person's mindset? Yeah, your mindset. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) No, I think, you know, and that's important, Joe. I think if you can change your mindset, you can change your life. Amen. You know, a lot of people have a, um, you know, you, you could ask a person, well, how are you doing today? Oh, man. You know what I mean? A lot of people start <laughs> with the mindset that, you know, everything, you know, oh, I'm, I'm barely making it. I'm barely holding on. No, no, you're not barely holding on. <laughs> because in jail, you was barely holding on. Right, you know right. I mean? yeah. So I think if you, you know, I think if you can start with changing someone's mindset and, and get them to believe that, you know, they are more than what they think they are. I think that's, you know, that's half the battle. You know, you know, I talk to so many people. I work with so many, um, you know, button entrepreneurs and, and people that are starting their business. I've worked with so many, um, you know, subcontractors that, that work with me now who I was in jail with, who I ran the street with. Wow. Guys that's doing landscaping, guys that's doing snow plowing. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, I ran the street with and they're in business now. And you know, trying to get them to understand all the legal parts of being in business and setting up an account and, and getting QuickBooks and, and doing all the legal stuff to make sure that you're structurally sound as a business that's that's in it for the long haul and not just for the short haul. And being able to put all that infrastructure in place and giving them the hand to help them do that, you know, it's like the underground economy. You know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff that's happening underground legally, though. Yeah, yeah. Talk yeah. Pharmaceutical business. I'm talking about the legal stuff of, um, you know, you know, selling sneakers online, um, selling DVDs and CDs out of your van. You know what I mean, a lot of guys are in the underground economy. And what we're trying to do is, is turn all that legit. And how do you take that 
and scale that to a bigger business. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so I also saw on your website a documentary titled um, Incarcerating Us. Um, yes. This is a documentary you co-starred in. Um, explain how this came about, your overall invo- involvement, and what what's the documentary about? Yeah, the documentary is a powerful documentary. If you ever seen um, uh, the uh, 13th, the movie that was just on um, Netflix, okay. um, it talks about the prison system. It talks about how the drug war started, talks about how mass incarceration, you know, scaled up into the hundreds of thousands and, and now millions of people that are incarcerated um, and how we got there and how we can get out of there. But I was one of the um, three main participants um, of the movie. Um, it talks about, you know, when I came home from jail, just basically talks about everything that I explained, how I came home from jail, um, you know, how I was able to start my business and how I was able to become successful as a um, as an ex-offender. And the three other participants in the film, um, Amy and Carolyn, um, you know, Amy, you know, got caught up in a drug conspiracy laws, whereas that her boyfriend was selling um, ecstasy and um, they had got divorced and broke up and he had got locked up overseas. And she had went to the house to to get the money to bail him out. And somehow she got caught up at the house while they raided it. She ended up getting locked up. She ended up getting a... Um, a 30-year prison system. Wow. And um, his sentence for selling it because he told on everybody was three years probation. Oh, my gosh. Her, wow. So her story is highlighted. She was ended up getting a pardon by Clinton. So she's out now. Um, she works for it. She, she has her own nonprofit. She's working now um, called the Clemency Project, where she's helping people gain clemency. And then the other participant, um, Carolyn, was a um, CNN hero. And Carolyn has an amazing story also. She's she's an older lady. If you ever watch the film, man, it's you know, you look at her, you would never think that she would get locked up for marijuana. But somebody has stored some marijuana in her locker room at a storage bin, pounds of it. She got caught. She ended up doing about eighteen months and um wow. and came home and and the same thing. She's been out now, but she's works on a project called the um, Innocent Project. Where, I mean not the Innocent Project. She goes to the prisons and she films the inmates at prisons and then takes the film and shows them to the family. So what she's doing is keeping the inmates and those who are locked up connected with their family. Wow. You know, a lot of kids, you know, they don't get to see their parents who are in prison. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so for her to take a video and bring that video to their house, but to get an opportunity to see their dad, to get an opportunity to see their mother, and, and you know, and, and just hear them on the video, you know, it's, it sometimes really helps, you know, not only the kid, it helps the person that are in prison, too. So, you know, the three participants of the film are doing some amazing things. All of us are doing amazing things. And um, it's a great documentary. We just showed it out in at the Chinese Theater in um, California a couple of weeks ago. And we're going to be out in San Francisco. And um, we'll be in San Francisco in July for the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers. We'll be, we'll be screening the film at their um, convention. Um, but it is a very powerful film. It was a documentary that was well done by by two two great two great young men, Vincent and um, and Reagan, who was the director and the producer of the film. So it's a great documentary. If you ever get a chance, you can go check out the trailer on YouTube. Just go under um, "Incarcerating Us" and check out the trailer. But it's an it's an awesome documentary that really really shows you why we should be ending the drug war. Yeah. Yeah, I actually did watch that trailer, and um, 
it was powerful, man. I was getting like the chills, like, oh man, this is gonna be good. This is really good. And that was only like a minute clip or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, minutes, absolutely. That yeah. thing was intense. Um, so yeah, so that's called incarcerating us, right? That's how you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when you're at these film festivals and you guys are, you know, presenting, you know, you're having screenings and even on your website, you have testimonials of positive feedback, even, uh, you know, some of your students are coming back and, and showing, you know, the progress that they're making through your teachings and, and, uh, through everything that you're showing them. What, the, how, what does that feel like? How, how, how does that make you feel like, you know, I know your whole concept is from the block to the boardroom, uh, but even beyond that. Now it's now it's like you know you're getting to legendary status where people you're changing literally changing people's lives. Yeah, it's you know it, it's a blessing coming from where I've come from, Jim. Um, you know, you know it, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to have a purpose in life. Mm. Um, to know that you know, you know God has really blessed me, and you know I tell people I played a hand that I was dealt, like it was a hand I always wanted. Wow. Um, you know I was dealt a tough hand. And um, I just had to play that hand to the best of my ability. And um, God has blessed me to be able to do that. You know, I've been in around a lot of circles. I've sat in a lot of boardrooms. I've served the state of New Jersey. Um, I was um, nominated by Senator um, Turner, but I was appointed by Governor Christie, um, overseeing millions of dollars worth of development around the Capital District when I was on the board of the Capital City Real Development Board. I've served the mayor of this city when I co-chaired the um, Moet on board helping ex-offenders get jobs. So, you know, I, I've, 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 I've lived a full life in, in my 21 years of being in business. And, you know, I've been blessed to be able to do that. And, you know, now, you know, at the age of 54, I just want to be able to not relax, but be able to give something back. I, I want to be able to, to say that because of the stuff that I went through, Jim, that, you know, I was able to take that and, and help somebody else and make somebody else life better or some 18 or, or 19 year old kid that that's that's somehow trapped in that lifestyle now that that he may come out of it by the time he's 20 years old instead of waiting till he's 40 or 50 years old well yeah. said well said um so you, you kind of talked about your involvement uh with politics can you uh can you explain the fair chance business pledge to us oh uh, yeah um the fair chance business pledge um you know, it was another initiative that I worked with Obama and the Obama White House on. And, um, you know, we started out with 30 businesses back in October and November of 2016. Um, by the time the pledge came out, we had over 300 businesses throughout the country, including Uber, Google, Hershey, a lot of name brand companies that agreed to um, give ex-offenders a shot, wow. to give people with criminal records an opportunity. You know, and these are real smart on crime initiatives. You know, we talk about, well, you know, crime is bad. We need to hire more cops. Well, that means you got to build more prisons. And the fact of the matter is that 93% of those that come to prison come home. It's only a a small 7% that stay. You know, so what are we going to do with that 93% that are coming home to a neighborhood near you? We have to be able to prepare them to reenter society with dignity and respect or we continue to have that same vicious cycle that we all we have. They coming home, knocking grandmother upside the head for two or three dollars and going back to jail. And it's just a vicious cycle. So, you know, I you know, I just think that's what it's all about, Jim. You know, these are really, you know, initiatives um, that changes lives. And when I think of the political aspect of it, 
You know, everything that we have in our communities, good and bad, is a direct result of policies and politicians. Mm. Politicians set the policies. Mm -hmm. Drug war, drug laws, policies and politicians. Poverty, policies and politicians. A bad educational system, policies and politicians. So everything that we have is a direct result of them. So, you know, you know, as a, as a taxpayer citizen now who pays a whole lot in taxes, <laughs> I've been holding folks accountable like I've been paying taxes all my life. Mm. Yeah. So, and I believe holding them accountable to do the right thing. And, and you know, Jim, when we look at it, the, um, you take the economics of um, incarceration. You know, it costs around $58,000 a year in the state of New Jersey to hold a nonviolent drug offender in prison. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you can send a guy to Princeton for 30, 30, 30. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so That's when we take crazy. a look at that, you know, we have to see it just, it just doesn't make economic sense. We can properly train that person, get that person a job. If you get him a job making $30,000 a year, he'll probably stay home. And you'll save $28,000. So it just makes economic sense. So we try to convince the politicians also that, you know, this right here just makes good economic sense, that we do this and do this right and, and, and give people an opportunity to come home and change their life around. And everybody wins when we do. Definitely, definitely. Um, so I know you mentioned uh, you're a father of two earlier. Um, is And, you know, the guys here, we're all dads. Um You've been through a lot in your life, right? Is there is there something you you constantly convey or teach your kids? You know, maybe something you wish you had heard earlier in your life to kind of shoot them in a, another direction, or is it kind of, you know, I yeah. always, I always wanted to be the dad that could drop like beautiful nuggets and it never happens, but you know what I mean? Uh, like a great motto. Is there is there anything that you use or a tool you use or you just kind of? Well, you know, I try to tell my you know my kids, you know, all kids really. Yeah. You know, they don't have to go to jail. You know, you don't have to. You know, I did it for you. Mm. And I can tell you, you know, it's something that you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, it's just like if I tell you if you're going to go you go run your head into that brick wall, it's going to hurt. <laughs> something you want to go try. It. Right. I tell you, I've already done it, and it does hurt. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, trying to convince my kids, you know, to get a good education, to keep their nose clean, is something I try to teach all kids. You know what I mean? It's just... You know, a lot of stuff that you don't, it's a lot of stuff that we don't have to go through in life. You know what I mean? A lot of people have went through it for us. And, um, you know, going to jail and, and being subjected to stuff that I was subjected to in the seven years going in and out of those prisons and, and the 18 years on the streets, it's just, it's a living nightmare. And it's just something that I wouldn't wish on some of my worst enemies. So I just try to steer kids, you know, away from that life and just tell them that, you know, sooner or later you're going to come around. I can tell you right now. Yeah. Yeah. You come around when you're 40. You may come around when you're 50. You may come around when you're 60. and Or you may come around and change your life because you're in jail with a 30-year sentence. Mm -hmm. Man, I got friends. I got cousins who are in prison now with 30, 40-year sentences that are never coming home. You know what I mean? And, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't have to be that way. And you know, I was hard-headed, you know, just, you know, just like any other kid. I remember when I was young, you know, people told me a lot of things. I didn't listen. Yeah. I mean, I didn't listen. And and, and, and it hurt me. I wasted a lot of years, you know. A lot of stuff that I do now, I could have been doing. But, 
you know, that, you know, it's water under the bridge. But, you know, we just try to steer our kids away from some of the some of the pitfalls and some of the traps that I fell into myself. Well said. So, you know, the book, the, the documentaries, that's like, you know, after the after effect of your foundation and, and, and my belief is your true foundation is entrepreneurship, whether whatever it was, whether it was, you know, uh, the negative sense, uh, some people will view it, or, you know, the positive sense. What's the hardest thing uh, about being an entrepreneur? We have entrepreneurs who listen to our podcast. We have uh, small business owners that are on our podcast and listen to our podcast. And we're constantly trying to have folks on that can give us, you know, a piece of advice to kind of shoot them in the right direction. In in we always kind of talk about the positive stuff, but I like to kind of dig a little bit deeper so people can relate that it's not always easy obviously entrepreneurship is uh extremely hard and and and, and you know you, you're gonna face adversities in in your experience what was the hardest thing or what is the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur you know i think and that's a good question jim i and i think in my 21 years of being in business and i think because it's so it's i i, I it's so near and dear to me and i really believe in it is the fact of my employees mm. you know making payroll every week you know what i mean and you know, it's times my payroll is four, five thousand dollars a week. It's times my payroll used to be eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars a week. Wow. You know, what I mean? but in my twenty-one years, I've never missed the payroll. I've never not had payroll, and I think that's a challenge, and it's something that keeps you up at night, uh, making sure that you know, come Friday, folks that have worked forty hours and worked for you that week, um, to make sure that they get paid. And you know, it's something that you know is stressful. Um, but I take pride in it also because I know that the, the people that I have here in the office, the guys that I have out in the field, their families depend on me getting up and doing the right thing every day and make sure they get a paycheck every week. And it's something that I take pride on. It's something that, yes, it's very stressful, um, but it's also very rewarding at the same time. Absolutely. Um, so what is, what is one, if you could, uh, one piece of advice you have for someone looking to start their own business, whether it's a, um, a product or a service, you know, what's one little nugget you, you if you could just drop, uh, what would it be for someone who wants to get, you know, leave the whole nine to five thing or whether it's re-entry, whatever it is, they want to enter into entrepreneurship. You know, what's one piece of advice? Uh, because like I, we mentioned, it's not easy. You mentioned payroll. Not, not easy, but you know, you got to believe, I think the one main advice, you know, and, and it goes to the same thing with mindset, you know, you got to believe in yourself. Yeah. So a lot of people get into this thing and, you know, they say they believe and they say they want it, <laughs> but how bad do you really want it? Mm. Yeah. Is it bad enough? Do you want it more than you want to breathe? Do wow. you want it more than you want to sleep eight hours? Do you want it more than, you know, not going to a, a club at night and, and and, and, you know, and, and, and staying and doing some work that you know you got to get done the next day. Do you want it more than you want that, you know, that, that luxury car when you know you need to buy a pickup? You know, it all depends. It's, if, it's all depends on how bad you want it. And if you want it bad enough, anybody, I believe anybody that chooses entrepreneurship can be successful. And it always comes down who wants it more. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I do believe that we uh we have our sign right above my brother here Hector here it says hard work beats talent and it's one of the things we constantly talk about. Um, Absolutely. We we just we actually just had a our, our episode last week is called True Grit and um there there's studies shown that even my I myself 
you know, when it came to IQ and test taking, I, w- I just kept hitting average or kind of below average. Um, and then you had kids who were just acing the test, acing the test. And they went to Temple University and they dropped out. And I ended up with a diploma. Um, right. And we talk about that grit and it's just that hard work. You just keep getting it, grinding, grinding, grinding. Um, and that goes back to what you are saying before, the belief in myself. I believed in myself. I knew I could do it. I didn't know how in the hell I was going to do it. Um, but man, I stayed up late nights studying, doing what I had to do to accomplish my goal. So yeah, it's not going to be easy, uh, but you definitely got to dig deep and, um, and that hard work, everyone knows, man, you believe in karma, whatever you want to call it, law of attraction. I don't care what you call it. It pays back. And, uh, you know, for the Christians out there or the believers out there, you know, it comes back tenfold. Everything you're doing, um, is worth it. Um, especially if it's in a positive way, cause karma works the other way too. Oh, absolutely. It comes back the other way also. But, nah, it, it, you know, that's that's it, Jim. You know what I mean? You know, I, I tell people all the time, you know what I mean? I, I, you know, I got my diploma when I was in the youth house. I didn't even graduate. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know my timetables when they gave me my diploma. They just told me never to come back up Trenton High again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was, I, you know, and, you know, that that's that's my educational background. You yeah. know, I did, I did, I did um, less than a year at Mercy County Vocational School, but, you know, that's it. That's my educational background. But, you know, you can put me in a boardroom with, 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 with politicians and White House staff and, and governors and, 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 and senators, and you can put me in a room with anybody, and I'll enter the room believing I am the smartest person in the room. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And it's just that I believe that. You know what I mean? I might have learned differently from you, but I still believe I'm better than smarter than you. That's amazing. Um, all right, so there you have it, guys. Tracy Syfax. Uh, what projects uh, are you currently, you know, involved in, or is there anything new? I know this film just came out, so I know that's kind of, you know, where your your energy is really focused. Is there anything else, anything new that you know we didn't touch upon um, that you kind of wanted to mention? Or now we we uh, we we still working. Um, you know, the reentry ventures is going well. We're 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 talking with some tablet companies right now about getting our course. You know, they're getting a lot of tablets in prisons now. Oh, um, they don't nice. have the internet, but they, for educational purposes, they're having tablets in prisons now. So we're working with a couple of different tablet companies to try to get our course in probably prisons all across the country. Um, so that's one of the main things that we're working on. Um, this Thursday, um, I'll be in Jersey City, New Jersey, with uh, former Governor McGreevy and, and Mike Tyson and... Um, Reverend Al Sharpton and some other folks were doing a reentry conference, nice. all day conference in Jersey City. So we got that coming up Thursday. Um, it's always something going on. I'm in Philadelphia next weekend, Saturday and Sunday, um, for the Philadelphia African American Authors Book Showcase in Philadelphia. So it's always something going. On. You can go visit my website. We try to stay on top of it and keep it fresh and keep it updated. But a lot of information you can find on our website. And you want to give us that website? Oh yeah, W F as in Frank, T as in Tom, B as in Boy. Um, the number two, T as in Tom, B as in Boy. Um, is actually WW from the block. The number two, the boardroom.com. F T B two T B. Nice. Perfect. And on there, uh, as we we're talking about before, the networking stuff on his website. There's a section called uh, free stuff. And uh, one of the items is Entrepreneurs Community Network. Um, and is that the network that you were talking about earlier? Yeah, yeah, that's free. And the online community, you know, like I said, we wanted to build that out. We wanted to make that free. We wanted people 
to get into the community and just start talking about entrepreneurship. So we post articles up, we post stuff about business, you know, they can chat with other entrepreneurs. Um, we're just, we're just looking to what you, like you said earlier, Jimmy, network and bring people together because people do business with people they know. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so there you guys have it. Uh, Tracy Syfax, uh, thanks again for joining us. Um, we like to wrap up our episodes uh, with quotes. And today we have a quote by uh, David Joseph Schwartz and Nelson Mandela. The first one by David Joseph Schwartz. It goes, believe it can be done. When you believe something can be done, really believe. Your mind will find the ways to do it. Believing a solution paves the way to solution. Uh, which is fantastic. And the second uh, quote is by Nelson Mandela. In my country, we go to prison first and then become president, uh, which nice. I love. Nice. Uh, so uh, there you guys have it from the blocks of the boardroom. In this episode, we had special guest and entrepreneur Tracy Syfax. In this episode, we discuss how to build an empire regardless of your past. We talk about entrepreneurship, politics, networking, and being a solution to others. We wrap the episode up with quotes from David Joseph Schwartz and Nelson Mandela. Thanks again for joining us. Guys, don't forget to visit the website, jimmyleevelez.com. Follow the blog. If you have any inquiries or questions you would like for us to answer on a future episode, uh, just email us at info at jimmyleevelez.com. And on behalf of myself and the rest of the crew, we wish you massive success. And until next time, adios. The Rotated Views podcast was produced for self-development purposes. Thank you for the love and support. We truly do hope you enjoyed the views.